0: I just want to share a couple things with you, and then we're going, to, we're going to share communion at the end of the service today. But it's Easter, and happy Easter. Uh, you know, we read those words on the song just before, the tomb is empty, and he is risen from the dead. Sounds like some pretty incredible words, no? Yes. When's the last time you heard that, you know? That somebody around you, you know, they died and yet they're raised from the dead. We, we don't hear that ever. And for some, that can be a little bit difficult to believe because you don't hear it anywhere else. It's like, yeah, that's some Bible story, but... ah. I don't know, really, like a man risen from the dead? If I were to tell you, you know, a man died 2,000 years ago, you're like, yeah, I believe that. Every man 2,000 years ago died, right? But when you say a man 2,000 years ago was raised from the dead, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. And for some, it's, uh, it's uh, something we want to talk a little bit about uh, this morning, because it matters. It matters what we believe about this idea of Jesus rising from the dead. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. The author, or the writer of Hebrews wrote to the Jewish people, um, trying to explain to them that Jesus, this man, um, this God-man 2,000 years ago, was the Messiah they were waiting for, that he was the Savior of the world. And at the end of the, his writing to them, he gave them a kind of a bunch of little thoughts. And, and one of those thoughts is, is this, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, he said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, He's the same today. He's the same forever. That the Jesus that we uh, are going to read about uh, yesterday, he's the same Jesus today. And he's the same Jesus f- and will be forever. And it matters for us. So I want to ask you about your yesterday, about your today, and about your forever. And then I'm going to challenge you with a thought. So here's the thing. Yesterday. If we think about yesterday, yesterday matters. You know, what you ate yesterday and in all the days be, 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 uh, behind you, it matters. You know, if you eat McDonald's every day, it matters, right? And, 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 you know, what you wore yesterday and the previous days matters. We're hoping you didn't wear the same thing all week and are sitting here this morning, right? It matters that you, you, you change. You know, we, um, the, the, how much money you spent yesterday and the days before matters, especially if it's more than you make. All of those kind of things, how much sleep you got matters, and for some that's more than others. But all of these things have different levels of, of how much they matter and how much they affect today but as we think about yesterday and yesterday and the day before that, and we go back 2,000 years ago, if we'll say that yesterday, the one day matters, then 2,000 years ago matters too. History matters. And here's uh, something that we wanted to look at. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and he returned to heaven. And it says that they, dis- they describe what happened after that, that his followers, his early disciples, they waited in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit came on them. And then they went everywhere. They went everywhere telling people something. And you know what they didn't tell them? They didn't go around telling them, hey, here's some cool stuff Jesus said. You know, here's, we had a friend named Jesus. He died, and he said this cool stuff, and we want you to believe that. Because that's kind of what they did with, with uh, Gandhi, with any of the other um, big le- religious leaders, was this idea of, hey, here's what they said with Islam. Here's some of the things they said. You should believe what they said. They never said any of that. They ran around and said, you know what? We had this friend named Jesus. He died, and he rose from the dead. And they went everywhere telling that, that one thought. This man rose from the dead. And as they did that, people became followers of Jesus Christ. And others were like, no way. They were in such opposition to that. And one of those people who was in, in stark opposition to this idea of Jesus rising from the dead and anything to do with Jesus was a man named Saul. Saul of Tarsus. And the reason we mention Saul is that he was a real guy. We have a picture of him. Can you see? I don't know how they got that. But Saul of, Saul of Tarsus is actually a real character, a real person who uh, lived in that, same, in that same time frame. Sometimes skeptics look at the Bible, and they look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they try and kind of write them off as, well, we can't prove that they were written by those people. We're just really not sure what they said about Jesus. The problem the skeptics have is that Paul, this, uh, with his writings, they know that he existed, and they know that what he wrote is what he wrote. And so what he uh, wrote in those letters is something that he said. And so as we look at what Paul said, It says even though these these people doubt the Gospels, they can't doubt what, they can't challenge what happened with what Paul said. And so this Saul, before he was Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus, and he went around, hated Christians, hated them. He dragged them from their homes, murdered them if if need be, but trying to stop at whatever cost this, this group of followers of Jesus. And six years later, after Jesus had gone to heaven, six years later, here's Paul on his mission to destroy people Something happens to him. He meets Jesus. He sees the risen Jesus, and it changes his life. And some people are like, ah, oh, that was just like, a, was just like a vision or something. You know, it couldn't, it couldn't have been that real. The thing is, the, the, the difficulty with that is that Paul's life completely changed from that one moment. Here he is hating, hating, hating these group of people, and all of a sudden he's like, whoop. Now I'm going to try and help them reach the world, and I'm going to reach others for that same cause that they were, and I'm going to do it better than all of them something changed him. it would be like, you know, I don't know, like Leafs fan, Leafs fan, Leafs fan, Leafs fan, and all of a sudden, like Habs fan, Habs fan. Like, that just doesn't happen, right? See, you know. And this is what happened with Paul, right? It was that his his life was so affected. It was completely different than what, uh, what he was. And And in that, he spent eight years just getting to know uh, more about Jesus, this person he was persecuting. And he began planting churches and telling people about this man named Jesus that rose from the dead. And one of those churches was in a place called Corinth. And so Corinth is a place you could go to today. It looks like this now. But Corinth is a real place. So we have a real guy named Paul talking to people in a real place named Corinth. And he spent a couple of years there teaching them about Jesus. And then he left to go to a different place. And a couple of years after he left... All of a sudden, he starts hearing that the people in Corinth that he had been talking to about Jesus, who believed in Jesus, all of a sudden had doubts. Similar to the doubts that arise today. And their doubts were things like, you know, did Jesus really rise from the dead? We don't know if we believe that because we haven't seen that happen. How is that possible? And so Paul wrote a letter to them, and he wrote to them about a whole bunch of things, but he wrote to them about this one thing in particular, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So he he writes this to them, and it's applicable to us. He says this, let me now remind you. I'm not telling you something I never told you before. He says, I'm going to tell you what I told you before. He says, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. And it's this good news that, that saves you if you continue to believe. He says, the news that I gave you, it saves you if you'll continue to believe what I told you. And he says, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place, or some translations say, unless you never believed in the first place. But he says, I'm gonna remind you of what I told you then. And he says, here's what, here's what was most important. And it says in verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried... And he was raised from the dead on the third day. Here's Paul writing about this to these, believer, to these believers. And he says, just as the scripture said. And then it says this. Not only did he die and raise again, he was seen. He was seen by Peter. Why do we make Peter in yellow? Because Peter's a real name of a real guy that was there. And those people have said, Ha, huh. Okay, I don't know if I believe you, Paul. But let's go find this Peter guy and ask him. He says, you can. Because he saw him. And then he says, and he was also seen by the twelve. The rest of the disciples, they all saw him too. And then he says, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And it's not very far from here. You Corinthians, you can go there and ask them. Most of them are still alive. Some have died. He says, then he was seen by James, later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul is basically saying to them and be saying today to the same, to same people, people who had not seen Jesus walking on the planet. Any of you, those people? Yeah, we haven't seen, oh, there's only one of you hasn't seen Jesus walking on the planet. Everybody else is like, huh, yeah, I just don't raise my hand for nothing. I don't know what he's up to. Those, that group of people, never seen Jesus. And Paul wrote to them, and it would be the same for us. Never seen Jesus walking on the planet. He says, I didn't make this stuff up. He says, there's enough of us who've seen it, and you can go ask the eyewitnesses. And he says, those people easily could have. And he says, you know, the idea is that what happened yesterday matters. You can't just write off this thing that happened yesterday. Because it's about yesterday, and it's about today. What happens yesterday affects our today. So Paul began talking to them in real time. He says, this is what I told you yesterday, but here's what it means for today. He says in verse 12, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, Why are some of you saying that there is no resurrection from the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. Well, that's kind of depressing. He says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, you're still guilty in your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. He's saying you have loved ones that you've lost. They've died believing in Jesus. They just went nowhere. If Christ did not rise from the dead, all of that is just a myth. And he says, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, if it was only just about us being better people on this planet, he says, we're the, we are to be more pitied than anyone else in this whole world. But in fact, he says, maybe that's what they think, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who will be raised. It's, I know, it's like a, yeah, it's a, he has been raised from the dead, which means if he was raised from the dead, that means that we can be raised from the dead as well. Why is that important? Because the resurrection, if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, then he says to them, you're wasting your time. And I'd say the same thing to you this morning. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you are wasting your time being here. Some of you are like, ah, oh, I'm not really sure. I believe in all that stuff, but I better show up on Easter just in case. And, you know, I'm not really sure about all that, but, but I'll be here at Christmas too just in case. You could be doing something so much better this morning. If all of that's not true, you should have gone to the beach today. Or you should have watched reruns of the hockey game last night. You know, or when maybe go way back to when, like, they actually played good hockey. And, but... You could be doing something way better than sitting here this morning. So if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, this is all useless. But if he did raise from the dead, well, that brings a whole different side to this conversation. And the the idea that Paul says is not even asking them, hey, if it's true. He says, I'm telling you, the fact is Jesus rose from the dead. You're like, Mark, why is it such a big deal that you keep talking about raising from the dead, raising from the dead? Who cares if he rose from the dead or didn't raise from the dead? What does it matter if I believe in that? 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says to them, he says, these people are going to be sharing, you know, that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. He says, don't be fooled. Don't be deceived by those who say such things because that company will corrupt good character. He says, think carefully about what's right. Stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. He doesn't pull any punches with them. He says, if you're kind of believing this, the idea of of being fooled is that idea of being deceived. And it's that idea of drifting. And we just spent a whole series on that topic of you can drift away from things. He says, listen, don't drift away from the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. It is what this whole thing is all about. It wasn't about a good man teaching some good things. It was about a man who rose from the dead. And because he did, we can. It says this, why does it matter? It mattered for them, but it matters for us. Paul wrote to the Romans and he wrote, to the Roman believers, and he writes it to us. And I just want you to read this. It says, if you, you, the you is them, the you is me, the you is you. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead. If, that's, if you believe that, he says, you'll be saved. It matters what we believe. He says, and it's, for, it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring your faith, he says, that you're saved. Paul was put on trial for these very thoughts, for saying these things that Jesus rose from the dead. He was put on trial by in a, bunch of, a, a whole bunch of important kings and, and governors and leaders. One of those guys was a guy named Agrippa. And we got a picture of Agrippa, too. He's missing his eyes, but this is, uh, this is Agrippa. And uh, Agrippa, again, why do we show this? Real guy, real governor, a Jewish um, uh, he was actually the grandson of King Herod, the one who was killing all the babies when Jesus was born. Real historical person. He's a friend of Josephus, who we know is a, is a, was a non-believing historian who wrote about all the times uh, uh, that, that happened around the time of Jesus. He knew Agrippa really well. They wrote letters back and forth to one another that were kept. And Josephus wrote about, um, about Agrippa and, and that Paul stood before Agrippa as, as written about in Acts chapter 26. And Paul stands before him and has to give a defense, saying, hey, you know what? You gotta, you gotta explain to us this whole idea of Jesus raising from the dead. And Paul says these words to Agrippa. He says, Agrippa, you know, you're, you've followed, you've read the Old Testament. You know that it's been promised that there's gonna be a Savior coming. He says, why, in verse eight, why is it so hard to believe that God could raise someone from the dead? Same question to ask you today. Why is it so hard to believe that God could raise someone from the dead as he challenges King Agrippa on a bunch of these thoughts, King Agrippa, he gets to me and says, King Agrippa, don't you believe what the prophet said? Don't you know that this was all going to happen? That this man, there would be a man who would raise from the dead. Well, we've seen him. And King Agrippa stops him and says, Paul, <laughs> do you think you're going to convince me in such a short time to become a follower of Jesus? Do you, are you going to be able to convince me in this short amount of time to be a follower of Jesus? And Paul's res- response was this. He says, King Agrippa, not just you, but I wish that everybody who's listening to our conversation here in this courtroom today would become just like me, except for these chains, that every one of them would believe in Jesus, that he raised, was risen from the dead, because there's salvation in that. Some of you here today, you're in that spot. You're like, dear Mark, do you really think you're going to convince me to be a follower of Jesus? You know, in this short time, and you're hoping it's short. He was this thought, King Agrippa had this thought, you know what, maybe, now maybe tomorrow Paul, but not today. You can go, we'll talk again maybe sometime, but not today. Well, we know from Josephus that that, um, King Agrippa died at the age of 70, no writing in there anywhere that he ever decided that he'd become a follower of Jesus Christ. His today, his moment, his opportunity was there, but we, as far as we know, never took it. And why do we say that? Because what we do today affects our forever. What we do today not just affects our tomorrow, it affects our forever. Last thought is this, this idea of being forever, that the decisions that we make today affect our tomorrow. The decisions we made yesterday affected our today. And Paul ends his thoughts about this idea of the resurrection by telling the, the believers in Corinth what's going to happen. He says this in verse 50. He says, what I'm, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies, they can't inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever he gives them this idea that it's not just about here that when we die it doesn't end there's a forever and we know that we got that on the inside of us we're always wondering what happens after here he says this this is what happens then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die he says the scripture will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory oh death where's your victory um oh death where's your sting For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying to them? He's saying this idea, you know, that we're still in these bodies that are going to die. Stats will tell you that 10 out of 10 people die. That's not good for any of us. But if you think about those things, he's saying to them that, you know what, it doesn't end at death. He says, after the fact, when you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, have been transformed into a body that lives forever, you look back and go, <laughs> that wasn't that bad. That sting of death, that dying, that passing from, from, from earth to eternity, that really wasn't all that bad compared to what I've got now. Compared to heaven, compared to what it is, that wasn't all that bad. But many doubted those thoughts back then. Many doubt them today. And the question is, what about you and what about me? What do you really believe? What do you really believe? We, we tend to be so focused on today and yesterday in our culture that we forget about tomorrow. We don't really think too much about, we think maybe about tomorrow being, you know, what am I going to buy for the grocery list for this week? And we think about tomorrow of like, I'm going to retire someday and I got a plan for that. But do we really think about eternity we live so much for the here and now. So many live for yesterday. And for some of you, it's that because that's when it was good. You know, that's when you were like captain of the hockey team in school, you know, and you're like that one game where you scored a hat trick. And you're like, for those who don't know what that is, they asked last night, that's three goals in a game. You know, that was your moment of shining glory. And anytime you talk with people, it's like, yeah, we go back to that moment of awesome when I was young, you know, and athletic and good looking. man, I miss those days, eh? Those are the thoughts where like some get stuck living back then because that's when it was good. For some, it's the opposite. You're stuck in the past because that's that's what just controls you. It's the it's the decisions that you made back then that you like regret. You walk every day with this regret of why did I marry that person? Why did I end that marriage with that person? Why did I say those things to my kids? Why did I not say those things to my kids? Whatever it is, why did I make that decision? Why did I spend All of that money. Why did I? Whatever it is. And walking under this negative feeling of your past. Of your yesterday. Jesus in the New Testament and the writers of the New Testament kept urging people. Stop looking at yesterday and look to forever. Because if we live our lives in light of forever. It will affect the way we live today. North American culture preaches to us all the time. That it's all about me and it's all about now. And as followers of Jesus... Hearing that enough, it can sometimes affect the way we live. As followers of Jesus, we forget that he called us to follow him, not the other way around. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we just, we just kind of got Jesus in our pocket. I'm living my life, but Jesus, when I need you, I'm going to pull you out. Then I'll call on you. If I'm in trouble, Jesus, do something for me. Jesus, do something for me. The problem back then was that so many people would believe in Jesus only if he gave them a sign. They were like, Jesus, we want a sign. Prove to us that you're really the Messiah. He says, I've done all these miracles. You've seen all the miracles. I'm not going to do another one because it's just going to be another one on the list. Today, there's people that are just looking for miracles all the time. They're like, I could believe if God would just heal me, then i believe. If God would do this, one more thing, then I'd believe. And yet we forget, and we'll share this in a second, of the things that he's already done. Some find it hard to see unless they say, unless I can see it with my own eyes, unless it all makes perfect sense. Thomas was like that. He said, you know what? (laughs) Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know if I can believe that until I can touch his body, until I can see the scars of my own eyes. Jesus let him have that opportunity. And as he got to touch those wounds, Jesus said to him, Thomas, you believe because you see. He said, blessed are all those that are coming after you who didn't need to see it to believe. That's us. That's us. And then there was some that just wanted God to do what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to be the Messiah who was going to set them free. They wanted him to be like, they wanted Jesus to be that military leader. Jesus, we want you to do what we want you to do or else. Judas was one of those kind of people. He says, "Uh, you know, Jesus, I want you to do what, what I want you to do. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes, you know, I hear those thoughts, you know, God doesn't speak to me. You know, I pray and God doesn't answer my prayers. You know, what good is God if he doesn't do what I want him to do? This is what I've been praying for. And that's what I've been asking for. God, how come you can't get me a date? God, how come you're not paying off my debt? God, how come you're not healing me from whatever? And so this thought carries on. It's like, well, I guess, I guess he's not really there. God, unless you do what I want you to do. I have this thought for you this morning. That the God of the universe... Think about these thoughts. The God of the universe, whose own creation divorced him and chose darkness instead of light. It was that same God who loved us enough that he sent the only possible solution for our redemption. There was no other way. It was going to cost him everything. It cost him the pure life and the blood of his son. He died in our place for our sins He paid my and your death penalty. And then he rose from the dead simply to offer us eternal life. Not just good life here, eternal life in a place called heaven and in a state of perfection forever, never to end. My question for you is what more does he need to do? What more does Jesus need to do? And for some, it's like, you know, God, I'll follow you if... My son, Finn, sings at the top of his lungs around our house, Rice is enough for me. You guys know it as Christ is enough for me. Those words, Christ is enough for me. In our culture, in our North American culture, it's always this idea of it's just something more. But when we focus on today, we can can become fooled into thinking that it's only about today. And when struggles and difficulty come and you're going through tough times, It feels horrible. And you may forget to keep your eyes on the future and on eternity. Jesus, when he was on the cross, believe me, it felt horrible. But it says in Hebrews, he endured the cross because he kept looking at the joy that was set before him. In Romans 8, it says this. (laughs) See, oftentimes we think if we follow Jesus, it's just going to be all, you know, bunnies and rainbows. It's just going to be great. You know, nothing bad should happen to me because I'm a Christian. But he says this, since we are his children and we are his heirs, we're part of his family. He says, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I hate those thoughts. When we think about suffering, he says, yet, he says this, yet what we suffer now in this life, it's nothing compared to the glory that he's going to reveal later. That's exactly what those followers of Jesus believed. and It's why the Romans couldn't figure these people out. He's like, they weren't scared of death. No matter, how many, um, uh, no matter how many gladiators we throw them to, no matter how many animals we uh, have tear their bodies apart, for some reason, they don't care. Everyone else is trying to stay alive, and, and they, they don't love their lives. They're not living for here. They're living for something else. Why? Because they knew, they believed that because Jesus rose from the dead, that they would also rise from the dead again. For so many of us, if we have this thought that it's all about here, we just want to live longer here. We want our lives to be more comfortable here. And I would submit to us that it's probably partially because we don't, in the core of our beings, believe that Jesus rose from the dead to the point where it affects our lives, that we indeed will rise from the dead as well. Don't let the trials of today take your eyes off of tomorrow. How many things would we do differently if we lived thinking about how it affects our forever? What would we do differently? How many of the fights in our marriages wouldn't matter if we thought about in light of eternity? Oh, I'm not getting what I want right now. But in light of eternity, it's a small price to pay. How many of the things would we do differently? What, what would we decide today that would affect our tomorrow? What would we give our time and our energy to? What would we give our money to if it was about eternity and not just about here? What would I live for? Would I keep living just trying to get a little bit more for me? Even trying to get that from God. God, would you just give me this a little bit more? Would you just give me this a little bit more? Would you give me this a little bit more? Or in light of eternity, would I say, you know what? Jesus, thank you for everything that you did on the cross. And from this day forward, I will live my life in grateful response to that. You've, you've set me free. You've paid my debt. I was looking up debts this week. Just massive credit card debts. This guy had a debt of $178,000 on his credit card. 178,000, that's like a mortgage on his credit card. And and he had like 12 different credit cards to get that high. And instead, they're going to take him 55 years to pay it off. They had a plan. But if I were to put ourselves in that idea of what the debt that we owe to God, it'd be like this that each of us owed $178,000 of credit card debt at 21% interest. But here's the part we don't have a job. There's absolutely no way that we could have ever paid that, and yet he paid it for us. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to give you this, the opportunity to live. Now come follow me. Come follow me. I want to ask our ushers to just get ready for communion. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, Paul finishes these thoughts with them. He says, he died for everyone. Who's everyone? Me, you, them. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, that they would live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That old life is gone and a new life has begun. Paul said to them, I'm begging you that you would come back to Christ. Come follow Christ. And that's our call for you this morning. He said to them that today is the day of salvation. That what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, yesterday, matters for today. And what you decide today matters for your forever. Don't miss this last thought. What Jesus did yesterday matters for today. And what you do today with that matters for, t- for forever. So what are you going to decide? What are you going to decide? It's your forever to win or lose. What will you decide? We decide today to believe that he rose from the dead and live your life in response to that, that he died from, that he died for our sins, for your sins, and to live in that forgiveness from this day forward. We decide to accept his offer of forgiveness. We decide today to follow him with your life because of what he's already done, not because he might do something yet for you. Because it affects our forever. Today is hand out communion. It's going to give you the opportunity for something to be individual because everything up to this point has just been a group. But at this moment, as you take a cup and as you take a piece of bread, it becomes personal. And the idea behind today is, as you listen to the words of this song, is that if for you, you say, you know what, this is personal for me. Maybe, for the first time, you're like, "Jesus, I want to receive what you did for me. I want to receive the forgiveness that you gave for me i want to I don't understand it all yet, but I want to live my life for you. I want that forgiveness in the same way that you just simply receive a cup and a piece of bread. It's the same way that you simply just receive what Jesus did for you, and from that point, things can can begin to change on the inside, but immediately you'll be forgiven. Immediately you are saved. He's alive. And, you know, as he sat with his disciples on the night that he, uh, that he died, knowing he would uh, rise from the dead, he wanted them to always remember, remember that it was for them, for each of them. And he gave them what we're about to do right now. He gave them bread and he gave them a cup. And he told them, as he says it to you, the words of Jesus to you, because he's alive. These aren't words that were like somebody, some dead guy said alive, and he says them to you. He says, this is my body, which was broken for you. It's not this bread, for those who are wondering, you know, is this whatever. He says, this just represents that my body was broken for you. Would you put your name in there? This body was broken for you, Mark. This body was broken for you. He said, take this, do this in remembrance of me, knowing that I died for you, but rose from the dead for you. Would you take that? Jesus, we thank you for not giving up on the cross when it was hard for carrying on, for keeping on going for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for what this means, that by your stripes we can be healed, that, that we are forgiven, that we become your body, your hands and feet on this planet because you live in us and us and you. And then he took a cup after dinner, after he had blessed it and gave thanks, he said, this is uh, my blood. He says, this is, this is a symbol of the new covenant. This is what I'm doing for you. You got dirt in your past, you got sin in your past, you got all that stuff. He says this washes it away forever. Whatever it is that you think, you know, is too big for God to forgive, he says I've put that as far away as the east is from the west if you believe in me. You can keep going east and east and east, you're never going to find west. You can keep going back and looking for that sin, looking for that sin. He says I'm never going to see it again. That is how forgiven. That is how free. That is the grace, the amazing grace said, so take that, and as you do, just realize and know that is the forgiveness that is, is for you forever. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving your life. Oh, man, as we think about that today, how can we not? How can we not praise you? Thank you for giving us the chance to really live. Thank you for freedom. May we walk out in that day. Thank you for the hope that you've given us. You've risen from the dead. We are, we, we are excited to serve a risen Savior. As we f- meet our families over this weekend, Lord, and those th- many who don't know you, would you just give us the words to say, may we share the hope with them. That they might see that you're alive. That you're alive and that you love them. Thank you for that. Jesus, we go out living in your name and for your glory this week. We pray. Amen.